Welcome to Kingdom Talks, everybody. Today's guest is Catherine Wang, and I'm very excited to talk about what we shared, what, about two and a half weeks ago on the show, or excuse me, on the Sunday gathering, where Catherine shared quite a bit about the romance with God. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. But just wanted to uh, encourage everyone. I'm not going to do my normal uh, video, but I'm just going to share with you some thoughts that we would really love it if um, you you know help us out just by liking the video, by sharing the video, by telling your friends about what's going on here. Because I believe we have a message that can literally change the world. And it's not a Dean and I. It's just the message of this movement and what's happening. So, like I said, if you can like it, if you can share it, those are all benefits to us. It helps raise our uh, uh, you know place in the status of YouTube and so forth and then also join the KT community if you go to our website kingdomtalksmedia.com there's several different tabs up there one is KT community it's free and you can join it and it kind of helps keep you up to date a little bit if you go there often to see what's going on but another way to keep in touch with what's going on is sign up for our newsletter go into our website again kingdomtalksmedia.com go into the easy buttons it's another tab at the top go to the easy buttons there's a drop down menu and in there is the newsletter and you can sign up for that that's free as well and then we'll push out once a week all the information that we have as to what's going on in our community and then last of all, partnerships. If you are willing, just ask Father about it. If you're willing to help us, partnerships really help us move things forward. We do have need for more staff as well as resources and so forth to move things forward. Father's doing amazing things, but Adina and I can't stretch as far as um, we'd like to. So uh, your help helps us to help everybody else in terms of getting the message out. So thank you all very much for whatever you can do. And so now let's jump into our, let's um, be with our guest, Catherine Wang. And Catherine, good to have you on here again. It's, um, it's such an a honor blessing. to be here. Yeah, it's an honor to be here with you and, and Adina somewhere and, and everybody, everyone from, from the whole yeah. Kingdom Talks family. Yeah, and I know that you 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 are able to connect with her here and there, uh, you know. So it's it's just a a family that's growing, and I just love what Father's doing. And it's funny because even this morning I was at the gym and I was listening to this thing. Actually, I want to see if I can bring it up real quick because uh, it, it was on YouTube. And um, uh, unfortunately, I think I already got rid of it. Yeah. That's a bummer. Anyway, it was a scientific group of people coming together to talk about the brain and consciousness. And it was fascinating to me as I was listening to it. I was getting triggered. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting triggered because some of the people, you know, you know, very, uh, they, they were very open about the fact that they just believed in nothing, you know, that atheist, no spirits, no God, no nothing, none of that. And as they're speaking, I can hear very, you know, clearly, you know, here are people that are in that position of, I don't, I, or I know everything that I'm teaching and, you know, this is just the way it is. And I'm like, that's so sad because we have the same thing going on in the religious field mm -hmm. where we are so um strong dogmatic about sometimes what we believe that we can't hear any other point of view and mm -hmm. what i love about this family is that we're learning to lay down what we think we know in order just to hear what others have to say and that's how we learn because if we never open up to what others have to say we're we're only going to have our own little world and we could be doing everything wrong and we would never know it because we never consider what el everyone else is doing around us. <laughs> well, I, you know, that's very well put. And and I think that's one of the, the things I admire perhaps the most of about the Kingdom Talks family is that the not living from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, where every teaching you hear, everything you hear is immediately has to be judged. Is this good or bad, right, right or wrong? Is it heresy or not heresy? Yeah. And instead <laughs> of just saying, you know what? I love the question when I, I think it was, was it March 14th, 2021, I met with the, on the Sunday gathering. And after I gave this, you know, 15 minute kind of, there's something better than the father's son. I mean, really, I felt very awkward about saying that sort of thing. Hey, there's God's opening up something better than the father's son, one big family. It's this marriage relationship saying that on this platform that it's done amazing things with the father's son relationship and probably as a calling to bring the sons to maturity because you're doing mm -hmm. that. And mm -hmm. so saying that, and what you said afterwards was, hey, I don't try to judge things as 
is this right or wrong? I've got to figure out, is it good or bad? You, the question you asked was, does this help me understand something about God better, something about myself better, something about the world better? If it does, yeah, I'll consider it. If it doesn't, yeah. you kind of let it move through you and go, hmm, maybe, maybe not. And But moving without judgment. And I think that's so important to really moving beyond the tree of the knowledge of evil to life and to really living life. That's uh, so good. I, I, I can't remember how many times I, I feel like I've said that in the last few weeks, just <laughs> getting that idea through myself and others that, uh, hey, if this paradigm answers more questions than this one, I think I'm going to switch to this one or at least adapt them, you know, and, and adopt them, you know, so that they can work together in, in some form. But so let's dive into that, because when you came on the show, uh, you only had 15 minutes on a, a Sunday morning gathering to share something where it was kind of like, in one sense, it was opening a can of worms. It's a for whole some new people. paradigm, a whole new way to relate to God. <laughs> it <laughs> right? was. 15 minutes. Yeah, right. And, it's hard to and do yet, that in 15 minutes. Yeah. And yet, as I was listening to you, I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, 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 yeah. This really makes sense because um, for me, I still call God Father. And I want you to jump into your paradigm here in just a moment. But for me, even after listening to your paradigm, I still call God Father. Sure. At the same time, I am somewhat disconnected with titles. Mm -hmm. And all I really feel like I know fairly well is that from the beginning, Father has wanted to be one with us. And so I'm always looking for how do I become more one with my Father? And what you brought was a whole new way. Not, it's not a whole new way. It's all over in the Bible. But you expressed it very, very well. It's in the Bible. Right. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah. No, no, no. no. On, you finish. So, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead and take it because that's all I wanted to say is like, yeah. I still relate to him as Father, but yeah. that oneness factor is what I think most of us are really desiring. So romance yeah, with God. Absolutely. I mean, Go yes, for it. right. And when, oneness <laughs> is the buzzword. And there are a lot of different aspects of oneness. And so the one that I've developed with God that I've honed in on is really an ancient one in a lot of ways. I mean, it's very rooted in, in the Bible. It's probably the, it is really the most commonly used analogy for oneness in the Bible. And that is marriage. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you know, God, you know, God says I in Ezekiel 16, I when you reach the age for love, is what he said, I took you as my own. I swore a solemn oath to you. I took you as my own and I married you. And you know, I became your husband, you became my wife. And that is really the old testament is is really an old what it's called is it's a marriage agreement, the, the testament mm -hmm, or the mm -hmm. covenant. It was a marriage covenant. So the yeah. new covenant, the new testament was a new, better marriage agreement. So it wasn't like a different kind of agreement. God's intent all along has been to become one with us. The, the analogy he uses the most often in scripture is marriage for that. And why marriage? Well, it's probably because that's kind of logical if you think about it. Marriage on earth is the only relationship where the two people in the relationship become one. I mean, yeah, fathers I and sons that, don't yeah. become one, uh, you know, in, in the natural world. It just doesn't yeah. happen. It's not possible. So when God wanted to give us a picture of, hey, this is the closest that we're going to get, like, this is the closest possible relationship you can have with me. He didn't pick father, son. He picked marriage, you know, marriage partners, because, um, you know, if you think about it, every other kind of relationship we can have has limits. I mean, it has its intimacy, but it has its limits. Like I, I can be very close with a friend of mine, but, and we can be super close, but I'm not going to share all of my financial resources with her. That would be like weird, right? That would be inappropriate. Like there are limits. Right, I can be right. very close with my children. I love my <laughs> children and I'm going to hug them. I'm going to kiss them, but there are limits on our physical touch. Right. And it's some, but when marriage, it's the only relationship in which it's totally normal to have no limits. I mean, it's totally appropriate to have we share all of our finances. We share the deepest things emotionally. We share, there's nothing I hold back in my, of myself, you know, physically. In fact, in the Bible, and uh, under the Bible law, the Old Testament law and the New Testament, it says, you know, my body doesn't belong to me. It belongs to my husband. My husband's body doesn't belong to him. It belongs to God. That's an, um, it belongs to me, right? If you're married, your bodies belong to each other. That's physical union. That's physical marriage. That's a shadow of right, this heavenly right. reality of a spiritual union. So what is, what's the spiritual principle behind that? Mm -hmm. It's that 
my spirit doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. God's spirit doesn't belong to him. It belongs to me. When you're in that marriage type of relationship with him, if you're mm, relating so to good. God as, as your father, your his spirit doesn't belong to you. I mean, you know, but if God's your lover and Song of Solomon says, I am my lovers or I am my beloveds and my beloved is mine. When you relate to God as lover, beloved spouse, the Bible uses all those words. God does belong to you and you belong to him in a way that no other relationship is going to get you with God. God yeah. can't just go off and do whatever he wants. He, he has to consult you because he belongs to you. He's not this single guy that can just, he's not even your, like as your father, your father can decide to do whatever he wants and you can't really question that. But your husband can't go off and do whatever he wants without consulting you. There's an agreement, right? It's not, God and me, it's in us. We're a oneness. He doesn't exist apart from me. I don't exist apart from him. So there's this sense in which when I switched into knowing God as my lover, as my spouse, and this romantic kind of love that started flowing between us, I really started for the first time feeling like I understood what those Bible passages meant in Song of Solomon. I felt like God is mine. He belongs to me and I belong to him. And we have this kind of connection that I didn't have with him before, before I, I kind of felt like I had a relationship with God. You know, I was drawing closer and closer in this relationship. Now I'm like, we don't have a relationship. You're mine. Like you belong to me. I own you on some level. You own me on some level. You know, it's not, you have to, we have to make decisions together. It's an us thing. Um, and now I've lost my train of thought. I was going to say something else. Oh, and let me just say one more thing, because this is, probably for some people, the most obvious thing about it, switching to a marriage relationship with God is the kind of love that that happens in a marriage relationship is that romance. And it's a different kind of love than these other kinds of love that we can have with God. And the reason God created romantic love, I, I used to think, well, he created it for earth, right? For earthly marriage. And then I started thinking, no, of course not. It existed in heaven first, right? And, yeah. and he created it for this eternal purpose for us to relate to him. So what is the purpose of romance? What's the purpose of that kind of love? And, and what that kind of love does is it causes us to want to open the deepest parts of ourselves to somebody else. And so when you start to love God that way, give and receive love that way, you want to you let God in in places where you didn't let him in as father or friend or brother. You're letting him in really deep. And he lets you in because when he falls in love with you and you have that kind of relationship, he lets you in to places. He's told me there are places I won't, I've, I will never let my sons touch, that I'll let my wife touch. There are things I'll never tell my sons, I'll tell my wife. And, um, and so not only do you open yourself at the deepest level, but then that romantic love makes you want to connect with the person at the deep and and you know when it's God you're you're entwining your spirits so your spirit and God's spirit connect in the deepest part of your essence of who you are and so the oneness that you can experience is the <laughs> deepest kind I believe of oneness that that we can have that deepest kind of emotional connection spirit to spirit essence to essence connection because of the love that's driving it. <laughs> that that is also good and um so and, and something you said caused me to you know get get a little download a little glimpse of something that it, it, unfortunately it's one of those things where it was almost there but not quite to where i could grab it but what i wrote down was um that that letting each other in and my heart is always i want to know more of god i want to understand him more and, you know, according to what you're saying, you know, just following that line of thought is in order to do that, there's got to be that, uh, you know, that romance part to where you're after his heart. And as you go after his heart, then he opens up and shares more. And it's like, wow, that that really brings a whole new revelation of understanding to those who have stepped in so far with with God that they have had revelation of things that no one else gets. And yeah, it's that heavenly romance. And, you know, and even as a guy, I have a little bit of a problem even using that word romance, you know. <laughs> I know. Women's hearts tend to, to go towards the romance more. But a lot of men do experience romance with God, too. Absolutely. Go, but go yeah. on. 
Well, uh, you know, and in our marriage, you know, Adina would say the same, that especially, you know, in our earlier years, you know, the first 10, 20 years anyway, um, you know, I was always the romantic one. And so it's interesting because it was in, in several different ways, our roles as husband, wife were kind of shifted a little bit. But I've always had that heart for God of wanting to go deep. And it's just like, I want to know you more. And and so this might be a good time to actually share a little bit of explanation because I know that there are some religions and some groups that kind of get off in, uh, you know, kind of off track with the idea of, uh, you know, the sexual side of, and you addressed this when you talked with people after the Sunday show. So I don't know if you want to address that a little bit more because I, I think it's important because that can almost get you sidetracked and in a ditch to where you don't get to go further and deeper with God. Right. I think, yes, when we talk, when we think about marriage and, and romance, I think one of the reasons why we, why we as Christians or the church haven't taken it as far as we could is we get very hung up on, um, on that. Oh my gosh, are you saying that we're having sex with God and, and that kind of thing? Yeah. And it's not a physical union. So, you know, it's not God appearing to you in a physical form and having a physical kind of union. A flesh to flesh union is the kind of union of physical marriage on earth. And so it's tied to you know, our, our marriages on earth are tied to our existence in a fleshly body in earth and on earth. And that's why, you know, if some, if one partner dies, you can marry someone else and you're not committing adultery because you're, because your yeah. union was tied to your flesh. Uh, but our spirits are meant for God. They're, they're designed for God. And so it's a spiritual union of, of a spirit and, and spirit joining. And the Bible talks about, um, when we join our spirits with God, we become one with him. So it, it's a spiritual union and it's delightful. It's intoxicating. It's, it's, you know, all these things that the Bible talks about, but, and, you know, and physical marriage is a shadow of it. It's actually like a thousand times more delightful. Um, but it's, it's definitely not a physical union that we're talking about. <laughs> so, I, and I just wrote this down because it, it just makes sense that, you know, sex is for the flesh and it's a fleshly way of uh actually having that oneness that uh we're we're is a shadow of the spiritual which i i think you nailed it that it's that that well scripture says that when we we become one with him in spirit and it's even one of those things where i would say that we probably never were not one with him but it's our awareness of the fact that we are one with him and how in depth that goes. Um, yes, our awareness, so again, our enjoyment of it. Yes, exactly. Waking up to it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, to me, so to engage in that spiritual oneness for me happens when I have my meditation time, whether it's right here in front of my computers, you know, in the mornings, I'll, morning, I'll come in and I'll put, you know, some nice music on and usually put uh, space scenes on my monitors. I got four monitors here. Um, or it's when I'm outside in my little tabernacle and just uh, in nature and, yeah. and engaging there. But it's in that meditation time. And like you said, it's such a sweet spot, a sweet place to just mm-hmm. engage and to let that take you deeper and deeper. And some people are really good at the meditation. Uh, what 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 would you say to that? And are there other ways? What are some other yeah, things you would so say what, to help people? Yeah, what I would say is um, that's how I used to think of intimacy with God, actually, and um, is having a really good quiet time, a really good meditation or a really good, you know, walk in nature. And I apologize. I don't know if you're hearing this background noise. Speaking of yeah. husbands, my husband's coming home from work early. Um, but, um, we have my basement studio. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, so that's how I used to think of intimacy with God. And in fact, my whole journey that became this book, living loved in the course, it started when I asked God, I said, I want real intimacy with you. And I didn't really know what I meant by that. Like, I just, I wanted something more than what I had experienced. And I had done all these, you know, worship times and intimacy and meditation and all that, but I wanted real. And I thought, actually, I said, you know, I want to, I want face-to-face encounters with you, God, because that was like the most intimate thing I could think of, you know, face-to-face. How can you get more intimate than that? And God said to me, don't you have face-to-face encounters with complete strangers every day? I want real intimacy with you. (laughs) And and I started thinking, oh gosh, I think he's right. Like, you know, the checkout clerk at the store, like these people I don't know, and I'm having a Mm -hmm. face-to-face conversation with them. And I really, okay. So I started thinking, all right, all right. I'm changing my request, God. I want 
deep, intimate conversations with you. I mean, and this is in my mind, I was picturing we'd be in a heavenly, beautiful, heavenly scene and, and we'd be sharing secrets that we don't normally share with people. And Jesus said to me, I didn't die so you and I could talk together. I want something deeper than a conversation. And I was thinking, what kind of intimacy is deeper than a conversation? What are you talking about? <laughs> I had no idea. And God told me, you know, wake up every morning for, I think he said 30 days early, like 5 a.m. Walk around your house, ask me to open up intimacy to you and I'll meet with you at the end of this 30 days. So as I start, I started doing that and, I, and actually the full story, I told, this all started when I told God, I told God I would trade visions, my capacity to have visions in the spiritual world for real intimacy. I said, I'll propose a trade to you, God. I love these visions, but I want the real you. I will give up my capacity for visions if I can have real intimacy with you. And at that point, like visions, the capacity for that was probably the most precious thing I had spiritually from, from God, just because it really, you know, really radically helped me grow spiritually and understand. And it, I felt like it, it was accelerating my spiritual growth, but I said, I will give that up for this. So uh, he accepted that trade, but three days later gave me the visions back, <laughs> uh, which is just like him, isn't it? Uh, but anyway, yeah. so I start walking around going, I'm, I'm you've got to open up intimacy. And I started being drawn to Song of Solomon and particularly the opening verses that talk about how handsome God is and, you know, let him kiss me with your passion. When you may, you kiss me passionately for your lovemaking is better than wine and, and all this stuff. I said, what do those verses mean? Because I know that cannot be just a tribute to some man and woman that thousands of years ago fell in love. Like it's in the Bible. Right. It says something right. about my spiritual journey and my relationship with you, God. What does that mean for my relationship with you? And I know people have spiritualized it and they've done all this stuff. But what does it really mean? Show me what that means and then do that with me. That's the kind of lovemaking I want with you. That's the kind of relationship, intimacy I want. And sure enough, that's actually what was on God's heart the whole time too, is he wanted me to get to that place of, of wanting uh, to be there with him. So after, I don't know, a few weeks of this, I had this um, opportunity. God, this angel said, you know, come sit down in this, and the scene spread out before me. And I was in what I had thought was my view of intimacy, this beautiful heavenly scene. And here comes God and we're having a picnic and, and he starts telling me things that, you know, he wouldn't just tell anybody. And that's how a month earlier I had thought of intimacy. And God was basically saying, so is this still what you want? Because I'll make intimacy with me. Look, however you want it to look, we can have conversations in beautiful heavenly settings. Is that what you want? And at that point, my heart had shifted so much that I was unsatisfied <laughs> with that. And I ended up just standing up from the picnic, pushing the food away and said, I want more than a conversation. I want more than that. And I, and I told him, I want to be more than friends. And it kind of felt like this moment where I was like, God, I've known you my whole life. I had, you know, I had loved him like a father. I loved him like a brother. I loved him like a friend. I feel like we've done all this stuff together. We have this great relationship. We know each other really well. I said, but now I want to be more than friends. I, I want to explore romance with you basically. And he and God in that moment um, said he he decided to give all of his heart to me forever. Right and here. I'm just going, can we explore being more than friends? And God's like, you have all of me for all of eternity. <laughs> but that began this journey in which I started to fall in love with God. And then it totally shifted our relationship. And um, and there's so many ways that it did that there's no way I could. I could write a book about it, Gil. <laughs> Maybe I did. Um, there's no way I could say it in just a few words, but I just want to, something else is burning on my heart. So I, I feel like maybe I should say this. I used to think that romance and romantic love was kind of silly. It was like a less than, right? Like I should be doing something serious with God, right? We should be like going and ruling the universe mm -hmm. together. I should be learning how some spiritual principle works. I need to be doing something. And then I thought, you know what? What if I had that attitude in my marriage? What if I told my husband, oh, honey, romance, ah, that's silly. Let's just go run a corporation <laughs> together. You know, let's not focus on our relationship, right? That's, and, and I started realizing that's not the kind of attitude that really builds closeness and intimacy. So <laughs> and if you think about it, 
romance is the reason why people leave their own family to start a new one. It's the reason people leave their careers or career opportunities behind to be with the one they love. It's the reason people have children. It's the reason really that societies exist because every society is built on family units. Family units are built on husband-wife relationships. And if husband-wife romantic relationships didn't exist, there wouldn't be families, there wouldn't be society. And I started thinking romance isn't the silliest, least important kind of love. It's probably the most important, it's the most foundational. And I started realizing that just like earthly societies are built on one level around romance because they're built around family units, which are built around this husband-wife union, that that's this microcosm, I think of what the universe is supposed to be built around. It's supposed to be built around our marriage, romantic love with God, right? So God isn't supposed to be the single dad, a single mom, you know, out there loving the universe, sustaining the universe through the love of a single father. He's, it's supposed to be married with us and through our romantic oneness, the most intimate kind of connection that we can have with God. Out of that, I believe on one level, out of that union came the universe and the universe is supposed to be sustained by it. And on one level, maybe that what, what, what's the problem with the universe now? Like, wh- how did it get off? Why is it off? On, on one level, the universe, you know, became, um, it fell from a state of perfection or whatever, when we pulled back from that oneness. And when we said, no, we kind of divorced him. You know, I'm stepping away from the unity we have. I'm going to see myself as separate from you. And then God had to be the single dad and kind of raise the universe himself. And as we remarry God, go back into that original plan of how everything was supposed to be structured from this deepest, most intimate kind of love connection between us and God, all of creation is going to get restored. And if we try to restore creation, I believe through any other type of love, you're only going to get so far because that every other type of love only goes so far. But the, the, the deepest, most intimate connection is that marriage romantic union. So finding that, opening that back up with God, stepping into that, I believe signals that we're at the beginning of this new age in which everything is going to start to shift. And I'll say one more thing if you're just letting me talk. Um, interrupt me at any point, by the way. But um, We'll so, need to take a break here in a second. I, I do have some thoughts, but keep going. You're doing okay, great. I'll say one more thing. <laughs> I'll say one more thing, and then people will want to watch the second half because it'll be so controversial what I'll say right now. But I think the father-son relationship was really, it's something that Jesus opened for the church age. I and mean, like he was the first one to say, hey, I'm the son of God, and I'm the first among many. And he set that model. <clears throat> right, of sonship and and this model of growing to maturity. And that was really what the church age was about, was about growing up as sons to maturity. And we're doing that and we've done that. A lot of people have done that. And that was for the church age. And I think that sonship model will always be there. People can always step into it. Just like the first, it's part of the second covenant. The first covenant is still there. I mean, there are people still relating to God through the first covenant talk about Israel. I mean, it's a whole nation on the planet that's basically relating to God through the first covenant. First covenant will always be there. Second covenant, Jesus, sonship, that'll always be there. But there's a third way, a better way, really closer way opening up. And it's this marriage relationship. So it's not this idea that I need to grow up and reach maturity. In marriage, you enter marriage because you're already mature. So, you know, it would be, it's wrong really to marry a child. So this idea is, hey, we're already mature. We just need to realize it, right? When we step into this and from this place of maturity, we have this union as equals with God. And from that, this whole new way of seeing ourselves, seeing God, seeing creation, relating to everything is released, it's birthed. And that's the foundation of this new age. Well, I I, I love what you're sharing, love the concepts. And as you were talking about the romance and how it's actually split families in the sense of, you know, people leaving their spouse to go find romance or leaving a job or whatever for romance. And uh, I just wrote down, you know, because a lot of people say that a lot of people in the earth will say that's nonsense. That's, you know, you've you've lost your mind, uh, you know, and there's there's some truth to that. So to me, it is probably one of, if not the most powerful love, and I'd call it powerful because yeah. when it kicks in, it's like there's nothing else that's going to stand between you and that thing that you have the romance for, which makes sense that God says, have nothing before me. And so when you do have a romance with God, 
that is pretty much going to eliminate everything and anything that might stand between the two of you, which, you know, that there's, there's a lot of good reasoning there. And I, and I do, you know, I see it all through scripture and maybe you'll, you can share some of that when we come back from the break. But <clears throat> the other thing is, um, uh, you know, you've got your books there that are right behind you. Yeah. And are those, uh, those are, those are available in, um, uh, PDF form or uh, electronic form anyway, right? Right. So they're available on Amazon um, in both the Kindle electronic form and hard copy. Mm-hmm. And if um, there are also a couple courses on Kingdom Talks where you get a PDF version as part of the, the you know, an ebook version as part of the course when you sign up for it. So uh, I guess, uh, can are we able to get those those electronic versions on Kingdom Talks? Or not? Oh, I don't. I don't remember. Oh, what do you mean? Um, yeah. So, um, you mean if you sign up for the course that goes with the? Well, the book? I know they get it when they get the course, but yes, can but they buy the book on... separately? Oh, oh, can you buy it on Kingdom Talk? I, yeah. I haven't set that up. I didn't. I. I would love to set that up if that's possible. Right okay. now, it's only available on Amazon. But it. But if you sell them through your, uh, if you sell books through your website, I would love to do that. Well, this is what I'm thinking. I was going to do a break, but why do a break? I, I feel like, um, you know, you got your books right there. People can go to our website, kingdomtalksmedia.com. By the time this airs, we will have the e-commerce up and there should be a little uh, um, tab at the top that says store. And if you click on the store and go into Catherine, go search for Catherine Wang's products, then uh, the courses that she has, and which I'd like to have you go ahead and explain a little bit about how those courses uh, you know, help people in the process, as well as, you know, I know people who've read your book, People from Heaven, and have been fascinated by how you, you know, the detail that you get into in dealing with the cloud of witnesses. Um, and then Living Loved is your, your new book. So um, why don't we do this? I, we talked about it at the beginning. I'm just going to make up a code, and I'm just going to call it K for your first name, and then Wang um all capital letters all caps so if you're listening to this right now this is the code that you would use and why don't we do um can we do a 20 percent discount absolutely yeah okay if you use this code uh and this will will make this good for the week after the show so this will air on monday night and then so up through sunday they will have availability to use this code all capitals K Wang, K W A N G. And if they use that, then they'll be able to get a 20% discount on any and all of your products that we have on Kingdom Talks Media. So, how's that? Will that, that work? That sounds great to me. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's great. So, that, that'll be cool. And so, why don't you go ahead and just explain a little bit what would your courses do for somebody uh, in, in the process of, uh, well, they're, they're dealing with um, learning to the romance with God, right? Yes. Yeah, so the Living Loved course, and let me let me just tell you, we have two versions of that course right now. The full course is on Kingdom Talks. And I, I personally, I would prefer, I would do that course if it were up to me, but um, because that's good, it has over 40 videos. So you'd get not only the teaching videos, but every week we have a homework video of basically like, here's an exercise you can do this week that'll help you step into these principles that we talked about and so the idea is by the end of the course it's not it's not just head knowledge oh that was interesting it's you're actually living in this love relationship where you're loving god and he's loving you and you're you know feeling that in your life um and so we have that we have a lot of extra bonus material to help you step into that that's all through um the kingdom talks uh, media website for a very limited time we're um, also offering a free, just basic course version on our website, which is atcuniversity.com. And um, oh, the other thing about the Kingdom Talks, if you do that platform, and this is with any course I know that I that I am part of, and probably everybody, there's an online community, and I try to stay active in that. Mm-hmm. You can ask me questions, so you have access to to me and to others uh, course members. And so that's a really nice feature that a lot of these teaching and course platforms don't even offer, but this it's a really nice platform that offers that. Um, so that's um, Living Loved. And the idea, if I had to um, to pick one concept that people would take out of Living Loved, you might think I would pick loved, like you're gonna feel loved. And, and that is, of course, the idea of it, is how do you live mm-hmm. feeling like every day in your real life, you are loved by God in this deep and awesome way. 
but I would probably also pick the word joy <laughs> because living loved like that, you hit this joy um, very, I, I hit it very early um, after joy comes bliss and come, all these, but I hit joy and it just, mm -hmm. it's like, it's overflowing things. So it's just this joyful, happy, awesome way to really in your real life. I mean, my goal is this is not a head thing. This is in your real life. How can you live every day feeling like I'm loved by God like this and I love him like this. And, and yeah, that's that course. Um, we have a cloud of witness course too. Um, the book is called people from heaven, how to engage the cloud of witnesses. And in that course it's available um, only on kingdom talks media right now. And so we go through, uh, it's really a, a how a comprehensive how to guide for how to interact with the cloud of witnesses. And I think one of the things that makes it distinctive is the goal of the whole book is to get you having your own encounters. And so, yeah, I do share my encounters, but they're more like examples of this principle and that principle. And the way I've structured that the course will just, it walks you through it in a very practical way. We have engagements at the end um, as well. And um, so I think it starts with seven categories of people from heaven that you can meet. Because what I discovered is I really got a lot more out of my interactions when I figured out who it was I was interacting with. Mm. And I don't mean what yeah. their name and their rank was or whatever their position, but I mean, like, who are they in relation to me? And what capacity are they speaking into my life? Are they a council member of a council in heaven and, and interacting with me in an official capacity? Are they a friend that I've, you know, met, met in the spiritual world? Are they, um, you know, all the, I think I go through seven or more of these different categories. And then the second part is seven ways to trigger an encounter with someone from heaven. So I just walk people through different ways to do it. And then the last one is um, seven benefits from meeting with a cloud of witnesses. And I know when I first started meeting with them, they'd give me stuff and hand me, and I didn't had no idea what to do with it. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> like what? And I think I wasted a lot of time trying to figure it out. But so I just go through, well, this can mean that, and you can do this with that. And just to try to help people just from the get-go, you know, be able to get more out of it. So it's meant for like, no matter where you are, like maybe never, like maybe just what is the cloud of witnesses? You can start there and, and have encounters, or maybe you've been meeting with them for years, but I think it's so comprehensive. It's going to help take you deeper. Yeah, <clears throat> that's good. Well, and, and I'm so glad that, you know, that you, you've, um, been willing to uh, just come on board and be be uh, a friend, a family member of, of KT community, and I I just hope that there are more people that you will do that as well. We we already have others that are doing it, but I love how you've engaged and just come to be part of the family, and that's what we're looking for. That's what we're wanting to see happen, you know, throughout throughout the world. I mean, the KT community is is worldwide. It's small, but it's worldwide. And just to see people come on board, willing just to share what they have and to bring to the table their thoughts on, you know, who God is and how he relates. Because, you know, we would be so less privileged in the sense if you hadn't brought what you have brought, you know, and that kind of goes for each and every person that's brought something to the table. Uh, we wouldn't be where we're at today had it not been for the next age community stepping up and stepping out when none of us knew what we were doing. It, we didn't know what was going on. We just knew there was a shift and we were just following God's heart. And now there's beginning to have, you know, language is beginning to come out for it. And you're bringing a big piece of that language and paradigm that I think many people are going to be very excited to shift into. So it's going to be a, a wonderful experience as we move forward. So we got, we still got 20 minutes left. Um, let me ask you this, because you're doing what you're doing, you probably know and have been impacted by some of the, the, the questions, the hard questions that come, that maybe come against your uh, teaching. Uh, what might some of those be? And what are your answers to those questions? Well, you know, I can think of a couple, but if you have something on your heart or people have asked you, please feel free to jump in. One of the questions that um, that I think might be on people's minds, because I think in this sort of extended community, we've we've heard this teaching and and you know the idea of the bride and the wife of God, it's been around forever, right? For, for right. really since the beginning of Christianity, like two thousand years. If you look at origin, all these very early church fathers. 
talking about that. It's been around forever, the Jewish rabbis before that. But, um, but more recently, there's been, particularly in this kind of wider community, some people saying, well, God's done with that. God's done with that. And, um, and some of these people, I, I really respect spiritually. I mean, I, and I've yeah, learned yeah. so much from them. And, uh, and so, in fact, I remember I was listening to it. I'm not going to name names, but I was listening to a teaching from just in my house, listening to like an audio or video or something of one of these people teaching about some other topic. But for a couple minutes, he kind of took this side trail and just started talking about, you know, the God's done with the bride or there's no bridal paradigm or it wasn't for him or something like that. And ironically, it was listening to that. God kind of caught me up to this heavenly place and started talking to me. And he said, you know, I totally loved opening up the sonship movement to this guy. He was he was like really has helped open that up. Yeah. I loved and I could feel how God's excitement over it. You know, God was like, I, I just absolutely loved showing him how things worked and different aspects of it and and all of that. And he said, and that that is path is always going to be open. It's always going to remain open. He said, but then God said, I'm a thousand times more excited about opening up the bridal paradigm. And he said, there are things that I didn't share with my sons that I'm going to share with my bride. There are parts of me that I would never let my sons touch, that I'm going to let my bride touch. I mean, God's told me there are places in the cosmos that he's reserved to show first to his bride, his wife, before he shows it to anyone else. I mean, that that's his heart. He's he's kind of that a lover. So God has told me, you know, you found my lover's vein, live from it, right? And and the Bible does call him a lover, Song of Solomon. You know, it's part of who God is. And it's it's the part that, that he's told me he wants to to live to have every other part of himself be built around that. And I said, there's no way, God, you know, other people know you better. Other and he said, no. He said, who knows your husband the best? He asked me the question, who knows your husband the best? And I thought about it and I said, well, I guess I do. And even though I don't understand his work, you know, he's a chemist and he does all these complicated things. I'll never understand any in stuff, you know, just secret things I'm not allowed to know. And so I don't really know his work capacity and what he does, but I probably know him better than anybody else. And then God said, who knows you better than anybody else? And he said, well, it's probably him, right? And, and, and he said, that's how I feel. And sure, maybe you don't, you know, I don't understand how every little part of heaven works, but I know him, right? We, when we connect, we connect at the deepest part of our essence. And, and you come to kind of know God in this different way that he doesn't open himself up to, um, to people in, in other ways. And so in other words, there's a path opening that God is a thousand times more excited about. And, not, and he was very, very excited about the sonship path. And that's still open. It'll always be open. But I think there's a new, better, you know, more awesome way of knowing him that that's opening now. And the, the biblical word for that is is marriage. Well, and as you're saying this, I've had this concept for a long time. I There's very, very few places I felt comfortable even sharing it. And this may still set some people off, but we're already deep into things anyway. So, <laughs> um, But I, I had always looked at, not always, but I had oftentimes looked at and still do, um, the Old Testament is kind of like, you know, dealing with humanity as a very small child. You've got to lay down the laws and you've really got to make sure that the child stays within those because if they don't, they're going to hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the New Testament and now there's more freedom and there's teaching of the love. So, I mean, this whole thing really does fit. And, and something Father was sharing with me is I was just sitting out in my little tabernacle this morning, just, you know, I was reading and listening to some stuff and just contemplating and, you know, it just kind of hit me and I don't have, uh, I can't really nail this down, but, you know, if someone's not after the heart of God, they, yes, can create something in their imagination that is a lie. And yet I believe that when we're after the heart of God, that that's going to be much less likely, if at all, that it would really happen if we're really after the heart of God, that he's going to correct us in some of that thinking. Yeah. And there have been so many things that the Father has given to me. And I'll, and I'll just say that there were some people that when we first got in this movement, we were listening to everything they had and, and reading their books. And and the, it was a combination. Father used this person's statement to cause me to just stop. 
And this person had said something about everybody stealing my stuff. You know, they're basically taking my stuff and they're using it and they're, you know, teaching. And I'm like, hmm, that's, I don't know. That doesn't feel good. Doesn't feel right. And father just said, stop looking at other people's stuff. And so I stopped. And, and as I stopped, father started downloading revelation to me that, would get confirmed later when someone would tell me that so-and-so has said that in another book or so-and-so has said it in a, in their teaching. And I'm like, this is great because this is confirmation without having to read something or then know, you know, question whether or not, well, did I get that? Or did that come from that person? I'll be honest. I don't look or read at much of anybody's stuff anymore. Yeah. I mean, I love the relationships that we're building, but you know, I love to bring people on and have them share what they have. But as far as diving in and, and really getting into all their stuff, I don't do that much. And so it's just been fascinating. So what's been coming, I find is conf a lot of it is confirmed in other places. And it's that, um, uh, you know, revelation confirmation that makes it solid. And there will be some people out there to say, well, you could, you know, be believing a lie. I don't think when we're after the Father's heart that he's going to let us go down a road of lies very long before he corrects us. Right. No, I totally agree. And and I, I had this moment of, of panic before a few months before I put Living Loved book out. And I thought, what if I made all of this romance up in my head? And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, okay, gosh, that would be really brilliant that I did that. Because as a result of falling in love with God, and I really have fallen in love with him my marriage is better on earth. Like I, I have, and people have told me like, you're happier in your marriage. Your marriage is better. I'm happier yeah. overall, more generally. I'm, I, I tasted wholeness for the first time. Like I stepped into realizing, gosh, I, I'm everything that I need. I had, you know, I'm happier, all, all these things. And I, so I started thinking, wow, I, I don't think it's off. I don't think I made it all up or whatever, but if I did, yeah. then I can teach people a way to imagine yourself you know, in this incredible love relationship with God and improve your marriage and fall in love with life and fall, and have, you know, because um, you got to judge the fruit. I think at the end of yes. the, the ball game yeah. is what is it doing? Because if this is, if this is bringing me into life, it's, if it's bringing us into, into, and in, in all these awesome things, joy and peace and wholeness, I don't care what it is. Why would I stop doing that? Right. But if it's yeah. not, I don't care how many scripture verses you can give me to back up your position. If it's if it's <laughs> so not producing true. anything life giving in me, why would I do it? <laughs> so that's um, so true. Yeah. Right. So I so I would say <laughs> I say two things when people go deception is it? I say, judge your heart. Where's your heart? And judge the fruit. Right. As long as your heart is in an awesome place and and you're really trying to seek God and letting yourself get corrected if you get off track and then look at the fruit. Is it producing life and awesome stuff for you and, and those around you? Yeah. And, and God's actually told me, he said, you're so much closer to me now. I, you know, you're, you were not that I was distant from God, but we're so much closer than we used to be. You've tasted wholeness. I, you know, I brought you into my inner all circle, all this stuff. He said, why in the world would I tell you to stop doing <laughs> whatever it is that you're doing when it's producing that kind of thing in your life? Yeah. So look no, at that's your, so look good. Your heart, and, look at your fruit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's the same thing I've said for a long time in terms of, you know, the courts of heaven and in just engaging in heaven, period. Because uh, early on, that was something I had to do what you deal with. And it's just um, looking at the fruit of going into the heavens, just going to the heavens and how going to the heavens and being in the presence of God and all of heaven would shift someone to being more loving and more intimate with Jesus. And it's like, hmm, if that's the fruit, I don't care if it's real or not. Keep right. doing it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. I mean, with it can be with heaven, stepping into heaven. It can be stepping into romance because people say, well, how do you start? How do you do it? And a lot of times you can start in your imagination, right? You can just picture yourself stepping into heaven and what would I, and God will come and meet you there. Yeah. And sometimes you can just picture yourself <clears throat> on a date with God in a romantic thing where he's treating you. Or if you're a man, you might want to picture Holy Spirit in a feminine form. She's treating you, you know, very graciously and with honor and love and respect and all this and building that, you know, my, at first my dates with God were really about getting to know each other. I had really honestly gotten to know God earlier in my life through a book. I mean, the Bible's awesome, but it's just, 
it's not, it's the way to get to know maybe a master, a Lord. I memorized <laughs> all these, you know, things. I memorized Jesus's life in order. I memorized all these Bible verses. And so I really had this great Lord master kind of friend, friend thing. But, um, but for romance, I needed to get to know Jesus as a person. I needed to get to know all of, you know, the Trinity as people. So our dates at first were really getting to know each other, uh, getting to know our, our hearts and, and that kind of thing. And, um, and, and that you can just, if, if you're not the kind of person that just can step into a vision in heaven and have a go from there, why not imagine it, you know, and God will step into that with you and meet yeah. you there. God knows your heart or soak in it, soak in his presence and soak in that place in his heart that is reserved for romantic love. I mean, God has a place in his heart reserved for that kind of love. It, if you think about it, love, you know, if you want to think about love on a spectrum, right, we think of light on a spectrum or frequency and sound on a spectrum. God created, God is love, right? So all of love, you know, whether it's love of a father, a friend, brother, all this romance, all of it is a type of love. And I used to think, well, yeah, I can know God's love here, 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 but not in romance. But then I started thinking, well, that's really silly. I'm basically saying, okay, well, God can, God created a type of love that's awesome and beautiful and wonderful on earth, but he, it doesn't exist in heaven, right? That's only for earth or God isn't in that type of love. I, why would God not be in a type of beautiful, wonderful love? In fact, I'm not sure God could step out of a type of love. God is love. That's who he is. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. he has that place in his heart that's reserved for romance. So go, instead of going into, I like to go into the garden of my heart or the garden of God's heart. Um, there's a romance section of that, <laughs> of those gardens. Mm -hmm. And so instead of hanging out in the courtroom or the, you know, and it's, throne room those can be awesome places but to foster romance try going to that romance section of god's heart that romance part of the garden inside of us the garden inside of god's heart hang out there just soak in his presence stare into his eyes you know just come to know him in that way let that penetrate you there are i've been in these gardens where there are like love baths right where you can just kind of soak in this kind of love there are perfumes. There are all these kinds of things. You can step into this atmosphere in heaven that's permeated with that romance, and it helps. Um, it helps spark. It helps wake up your spirit. Because this is, I'll share one more analogy. If you think about marriage on Earth, the reason kids don't get married, the, the reason kids can't even understand romance, you know, except in an intellectual way, like my mom and dad are married, but they don't really know what that feels like. It's because they haven't gone through puberty, right? There, there are actually changes that happen in our bodies and our hormones that enable us to experience love in a different way, in a new way. And I think in the past, I was kind of approaching marriage with God like a kid would. It was like this intellectual, yeah, I know God and us, we get married, you know, kind of like mom and dad are married, you know, kind of like that. But it never occurred to me, well, what kind of love, how does that feel like? What does it feel like to be in love for your spirit, your spirit being in love? And I realized, I think our spirits go through kind of a spiritual puberty where we actually experience changes that enable us to love God in a new and different way. And we have that capacity to give and receive a deeper, you know, more intimate type of love with God. And so our spirits are starting to wake up, go through the spiritual puberty. God's with me, he's called it the awakening, right? We're awakening to identity. But part of identity is our spirits going through this puberty that turns us into adults. And then we, and we have this capacity. So I started going, oh gosh, I never noticed how attractive God is, right? And I probably heard one too many sermons on Isaiah, is it Isaiah 53 that says, you know, Jesus had was so basically ugly and, and, you know, that when he was crucified, there was nothing in him that would make him attractive to us. And I probably heard one too many sermons on that. So in my mind, it was like, well, God's ugly. I mean, I never saw him as ugly, but I just, I never saw him as right, really stunningly right. attractive. And God started telling me when we entered this romance and he started looking attractive was you're seeing me, you're engaging me as the groom, as the husband in, in Psalm 43, I think it is, or 42, 43. Uh, on, on God's wedding day, it says, you are the most handsome of all men, right? And there are a couple of verses in Song of Solomon that say the same thing. You're the most handsome of all men. When we're engaging God in that role, he's our husband, he's our lover, he's our groom. 
stunningly attractive. That's who God is in that kind of capacity to know him. So my spirit, it's like it started waking up and going, oh, I can unite with God in a different kind of way. And I'm noticing him in a way that I never kind of noticed him before. He was always just God, right? And now it's like, wow, he's attractive. Well, that's this, um, that's our spirit being able to interact with God in a new capacity. It's not just, I thought romance and marriage was for earth and for our bodies, but our spirits have that capacity too. Every single yeah. thing we can experience on earth in, in terms of the romance, the marriage, all that pure, holy version also exists um, spiritually in a spirit to spirit kind of romance and, and marriage with God. So good. So we only have like two or three minutes left, but I, I have to say it, it, that is the first time I've heard the term spiritual puberty. So <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna have go. to process that one. And because uh, uh, I, I kind of wonder what else is, what else is behind that. But uh, mm -hmm. then you associated it with awakening, which that makes a lot of sense. Um, that's good. I was calling it spiritual puberty and God was calling it the awakening. And his his term sounds sexier if i can use that word it sounds nicer than puberty but it's the same idea <laughs> yeah <laughs> well okay so and i don't know if you can share this in the in two minutes but um i was just thinking i'm guessing a uh, question first did you at one time look at god as father uh, yeah absolutely okay Most of my life probably <laughs> so then how did you make the shift from seeing yeah, him as father well, and I think I said this before, I don't call him father anymore. And it's because stepping into the romance about a year, I was calling him my father for about a year, even into the romance. And then I had this conversation with Jesus where he said, you know, you've hit a block. You can't go any further in knowing God as your husband, as your lover, because you're calling him father. And, you know, and this idea of I'm married to my dad and we have this wonderful marriage. No, that's kind of, that's not a heartening, you know, kind of thought, mental thought. And I realized Jesus was right and I needed to come up with a new name for him. So I, I used Hosea 2.16, which says in, in those days, in the last days, you'll no longer call me my master, but you'll call me my husband. And Hosea was prophesying that there's going to be a shift in how we relate to God and even the name we call him. And we're not going to have this hierarchical master servant or, or even father son is a hierarchy. You're going to come and call him my husband, meaning my equal, like my beloved equal, my, my, you know, my sister, my equal, my bride, my husband. Yeah. Right, right. And so that's what I started calling him. And it really did help. It started um, allowing me to give myself more, more of myself to him in deeper ways. That's good. That's good. Well, Catherine, um, had you on the show twice and had you on Sunday and um, it's just been an absolute delight to, uh, you know, to hear your thoughts. And I, I, you know, I think for a lot of people, this is going to be a shift because, you know, we've had the bridegroom um, model for quite a while, but you're, you're, you're talking about it in a much deeper and realistic um, experience that we can step into now. And I think that's a big difference. And I, and I really hope people get that. And I hope that people will take a look at it. Uh, as you've said, and, and as we always say, you know, it, it may not be for everybody. I think Father will be leading many people that direction. But for some people, they may get to the sonship area and that is where they want to be, need to be. And they, they, they're not willing or interested in going any further. And that's okay. But that, but I, I think what you're sharing is something that's going to really take a lot of people to that deep level of intimacy that they've been looking for that maybe haven't been able to get there. So I encourage you to take a look at the products that she has. Uh, we'll have all, uh, all your information, Catherine. We'll have it in the notes so people can connect with you there. And do you have a few minutes to do behind the scenes after uh, we get done here? Yes, absolutely. All right, so we'll go into some deeper topics for anybody who wants to see that. If you'd like to see that, go to kingdomtalksmedia.com. Go to the Easy Button tab. Down below, there's a behind-the-scenes uh, section. You can click on that. That's a partnership that uh, uh, is $10 a month to be uh, a partner with Kingdom Talks and just helps us finance things, get things moving forward. So we appreciate all of you who are supporting us and helping us in that way. And uh, blessings to everyone. And Catherine, bless you. Thank you honor you, honor you, the journey and the message that you have. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you for taking time out to listen to Kingdom Talks. You can find out more about Kingdom Talks Media 
and our mission to unite in faith and grow as mature sons at KingdomTalksMedia.com. Please continue to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, Fringe Radio Network, and many more places. Go to our website to find links to all of our media outlets, as well as fantastic online courses and conferences, including the life-changing interactive course, Ultimate Impact. And last but not least, we ask that you consider partnering with us to fulfill the mission to get these messages to the world. To become a partner, go to the Partnership tab on our website. Thank you, and until next time, live a blessed life and keep carrying us in your heart and sharing us wherever hearts are open.